Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so definitely continue the conversation with us after this podcast. You can swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in on social media. Our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter links are right there. Drop us a five-star review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Check out the T Public Store. New Parlay Points blogs are hitting every day. There's so much to check out of the site, and we just want to say swing on over and get on board with the ODPH conversation because, man, we got a lot to talk about this week. And kicking off the sports edition of the podcast, we have to talk about the return of the NFL. Yeah. Week one is in the books. It has been a wild week of games. So you know how we do this on the ODPH if you're a longtime listener. If not, and this is your first time checking us out, we do what we call locks and leaps. So we choose a favorite, and we choose an underdog, and we give our picks about who's going to win in that game, and that's what we break down for our segment. And then after, we're going to be doing the ODPH overtime, giving you our quick hits on the rest of the uh, schedule of the past week. So, Pad, all that being said, kick us off. Yeah, so I'll start with my lock. I chose the Carolina Panthers to beat the New York Jets because, well, the calling the Jets a dumpster fire is an insult to dumpster fires. Yes, that is fact. Uh, and they were the Panthers were favored by 5.5, and, and they ended up winning by the final score of 19-14. to 14. Uh, Sam Darnold making his Carolina uh, regular season debut against his former team, ironically, uh, went 24-35, 279 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, on the flip side, Zach Wilson making his pro debut for the New York Football Jets. Uh, 20 of 37, 258 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, also got to mention Christian McCaffrey, not the greatest game. Uh, 21 carries for only 98 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, game was a lot closer than I thought it would have been because, well, like I said, the Jets suck. You got Zach Wilson, unproven rookie talent, who I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying he's shit. I'm just saying, hey, listen, you can't really base a guy's career off of three preseason games. Uh, and, and we know the Jets really don't have jack shit going on offensively they've got tevin coleman who did okay nine carries 24 yards no touchdowns uh like Corey davis had a pretty solid game uh five catches for 97 yards and then two touchdowns averaged 19.4 yards per <sighs> for catch yo uh but after that you know to me that's like a, a flash in the pan you know trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice like that's a great game he's not going to do that every week you know, so I, I think this was a case of just some first week jitters and some first week ring rust, I guess you could say, because I figured, you know, the Panthers did win, but I figured it'd be by more. Yeah, this game was not exactly one that jumped out at me to have any interest in at all. And for the Jets, this was a very good test for them in the new regime that we see out of them. That is the one takeaway because. They didn't really have that much sizzle going in this offseason. Obviously, with a new quarterback at the helm, mm -hmm. that's a big deal. We have a new head coach that's mm -hmm. trying to you know, change the culture of the Jets down there, and we know that is not going to happen overnight by no. any stretch of the imagination. 
They dumped Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. and they sent him to Carolina, which we all thought was kind of a unique pick sure. of a landing spot for him. But obviously his tenure with the Jets has been uh, suspect, I guess you could say at best, because with yeah. all the hype that he came in with that quarterback class, and oh, he yeah. was the prototype that everybody thought was going to go number one and didn't. First career uh, pass, pick six. Yes. There was just a lot of questions about his game and where he was going to wind up and everything that happened after that. Now, obviously, the Jets had not been the Jets the best place for him. Like, mm-hmm. We have to say that. He did not have the best weapons around him because it's the Jets, and they're yeah. not known for yeah. you know really having that offensive juggernaut that they like to think they do, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So for Darnold, you know, a fresh new start was something that was sorely needed. Yeah, and, and also the thing with Darnold, too, coming in with that vaunted QB class coming out of USC, which is known for being a pretty good football school. But, oh, absolutely. But, but then you look at the history of USC quarterbacks and outside of Carson Palmer, who has really had any success for an extended period of time, Sanchez, you know, Sanchez had, mm. had a flash in the pan, bit of brilliance liner, a little bit, not much, but USC not known for their quarterbacks. Well, especially if they're on an East coast team. I I don't know if it's just the change of climate, whatever the case is, to put it mildly. It just doesn't pan out. And like I say, with Darnold, he came out of that vaunted QB class, and everybody really thought he was going to be the guy, and it just didn't work out. Obviously, though, what they had set up for him is the big key factor. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't say that enough. Like, now yeah. he has the clean slate. Let's see what he's got. And he beat up on a team that is in that rebuilding mode. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Zach Wilson, we know that he is the rookie heir apparent, and he came in, and, I mean, he looked okay. Yeah, I would say 20, 37, 258, two touchdowns, one interception. Ain't bad. Line could have used some help and, and protected him. Six sacks for 51 yards. Yo. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's not a terrible loss for the Jets, you know, but it's also not a great win for the Panthers because – to me, these two teams are are almost identical. Panthers are a little bit better than the Jets, just because you got Darnold, who's okay, you know. But then you've got McCaffrey, who's a pretty good running back, and then for uh, receiving core, you've got McCaffrey, who's also a very good catcher. You've got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who aren't bad, but they're not exactly outside of McCaffrey. You know, Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson aren't exactly like fantasy football juggernauts. No, this... you know, you know. So the the Panthers are just marginally better than the Jets, just in the fact that they haven't they have some weapons to throw to, and then they've got a running back they can hand it off to. Because let's not forget, the Jets' number one running back last year was the three hundred and ninety seven year old Frank Gore. <laughs> Facts. That's the thing too. I mean, the Jets we are going to be in a rebuilding phase for a while, and there is nobody on their offensive side of the ball that really scares you. Corey Davis is an, is a great addition, but is he a game changer on that level? No, in my opinion. So they still have some work to do, but this was not the worst loss. But this kind of shows what you're going to expect from this team moving forward. And for Carolina, any win is a good win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to really stress that. For the Darnold-led regime, it's something to build off of. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not something I would exactly be super ecstatic about yeah. and call my Super Bowl shot just yet. Yeah, I wouldn't be one of the guys on that team running into the – locker room post game going yeah let's go wow like hey you won cool be excited but it's the jets exactly like they beat up on a lesser team and that's what good teams do yeah not saying carolina is good but they did the protocol 
yeah. they beat a team that they should have beaten on paper. Because if you, yeah. if you if you compare them, Carolina is slightly better, and that's because of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And He's the, not there. They're as equally matched as you can get. Yeah, and the, and the Jets are going to get their real test next week, uh, week two, home opener against New England. <laughs> New England coming into the metal, coming into the Met with Bill Belichick, which we know his record with uh, rookie quarterbacks. Yep. Oh, boy. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be a definite fun game to watch. Uh, yeah. So let's go to your leap. Yeah, so my leap, uh, I, I decided to roll the dice in a little bit. I was hoping maybe Coach would be here, so if this went the way it ended up going, we could get him fired up a little bit. Uh, but he is not here. He is he is sworn off football one weekend, folks. Yes. Uh, this is facts. We have we have the Twitter DM exchange where he said he's done with football. He's he's over football. Uh, so we'll be looking for a new co-host, uh, seeing as the only time Coach will come back is probably when the the uh, Giants or Notre Dame win a Super Bowl, win a championship. And well, that's not anytime soon. Yeah, we're not exactly holding breath on that one. Nope. Uh, but I chose the Giants twin, uh, despite the fact that they were underdogs by three points, uh, and that did not happen. Uh, Denver, because I. I looked at the game going, all right, it's Denver. They've got, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, to throw passes. But who the hell has he got to throw to? Boy, did I forget some stuff because the Broncos ended up winning by the final score of 27 to 13. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 26, uh, or excuse me, 28 of 36 for 264 yards passing. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Danny Dimes, 22 of 37 for 267 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, and the part I forgot about was they got Melvin Gordon, who had a bit of a resurgence, I would say. Uh, 11 carries, 101 yards, almost, almost averaged a first down per carry, 9.2 yards, mm-hmm. uh, one touchdown. And then on the receiving side, you had Jerry Judy go off six catches for 72 yards, no touchdowns, averaged 12 yards a catch. Noah Font, uh, six catches for 62 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they did pretty well for themselves, I'd say. Denver came in and really surprised, I have to admit. This team is not going to be calling their shot for a playoffs, but no. Bridgewater looked good. But then again, it kind of falls back to what we talked about last game. He looked good against a bad team. And I'm sorry, the Giants defense looked absolutely atrocious. I was not impressed by what I saw. And if this team is going to contend, I mean, luckily they're in the NFC East. So that mm-hmm. means anybody has a shot if you can put on pads and a uniform. <laughs> yep. So they are not exactly written out of it, but they have some work to do. And until they kind of figure out their line situation to really establish a run game, yeah, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, and that's the sad thing because they do have the play the pieces in place on paper. Yeah, but just when it translates to game time, it just doesn't pan out. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Giants uh, for their rushing. Uh, their leading rusher by one yard was Daniel Jones, six carries, twenty-seven yards. Uh, Saquon Barkley, who making his return back from injury last year. 10 carries for only 26 yards. Uh, so Saquon fantasy owners are weeping profusely. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on the receiving side, Sterling Shepard had a great game. Seven catches, 113 yards, averaged 16.1 yards a catch, uh, one touchdown. Uh, you had Darius Slayton, three catches for 65 yards, you know, averaged 21.7 yards a catch. Uh, and then you had Kenny Galladay, four catches for 64 yards, uh, no touchdowns. You know, so... I, I don't know what it is, whether it was just maybe the running game hurt them or just the defense couldn't stop uh, Denver, but not a good game for the Giants. It's a little of both. The defense showed a lot of weakness. Mm-hmm. They're just not a, a solid defensive team for four quarters, and this it, it shows. But the fact that the Giants couldn't put points on the board against 
a Denver team that, let's face it, this is not the Denver team of old. Like, do they have a, a solid defense? Yeah. Is it anything that's a lights out defense? No. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not. And I don't care how you want to spin it. That's fact. Yeah. So for the Giants, they should have put up a lot more points, even though their, their play in this game, it reminded me about old school Arizona Cardinals. Okay. A lot of passing, no ground game. <laughs> You're not wrong. And you kind of roll the dice and maybe get lucky and score a little bit. Yeah, and and, and if you're, that's going to be your MO going forward until Saquon's like fully 100%. Because they can say he's 100%, but I'm sorry. 10, he didn't 10, really look 10 carries, 26 yards, ain't 100%. No. If you're going to go heavy passing going forward, Danny Dimes ain't your guy. Well, that's the thing. He, he We've always said he's in there, and you try giving him the benefit of the doubt, but you have to also factor in, too, their line is not good. Yeah. So he can only do so much. But when he's your leading rusher, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. That is a very big problem. Mm-hmm. So unless you are planning on addressing this sometime soon, and granted, what Judge is doing as the G, uh, the coach, mm-hmm. I give him full credit because at least this team shows up and they play. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They played hard. You can't say that they don't play for this coach, but it's just when the level of ability does not match yeah. the enthusiasm, this is where things fall apart. And for the Giants, unfortunately, this is one of those games that they should have actually contended a little better. And that's why I figured, you know, Denver, and I will admit, I've forgotten they had Melvin Gordon, you mm-hmm. know, and I forgot they had Noah Font. But I was looking at Denver going, well, what the hell did they have to throw to? Like, Giants should win this if you got Saquon, who's even a, a semi-amount of his former self from prior to injury. Mm-hmm. You should be golden. Then you look at what they got on receivers, which not anything to write home about. Not exactly, you know, players you're going to trade for if you're playing Madden franchise mode. Yeah. But they're serviceable. They're pretty good receivers. I mean, Christ, Sterling Shepard, 113 yards. That ain't bad. That's pretty goddamn good. You know, I, I, th- I can think of a lot of coaches who'd take that on any given Sunday. You know, but it's just, it's just one of those things where it's just – the Giants are getting there. They just need more pieces. I just think the thing that sucks for that organization, and especially Joe Judge, is the fan base that is rabid. Hello, look at Coach. Not mm-hmm. taking a shot at him, but just how rabid and how passionate he is and the Giants fans are. Are they going to be willing to wait? And I say no because a friend of mine from high school posted a thing on Facebook. I won't read the whole thing, but you know, I'll just read the – he put up like four or five paragraphs. So mm. just – this is the you know basically saying that you know let, let's not forget that Daniel Jones had, has forty turnovers in twenty eight games and somehow the Giants traded the eleventh pick to the Bears who took Justin Fields. This is an embarrassment of an organization who has pushed all the good people that who made them successful out. Uh, you know, but the main part is, and this is what will catch your eye. He said, my friend said, quote, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the New York Mets and the New York Rangers are much better run organizations than this Giants organization. It's time to axe Dinosaur Dave, who is on pace for the worst winning percentage of any GM in Giants history. Well, Rangers, debatable, because they're still in a rebuilding phase, but at least they're getting their Mets. You got to say have definitely improved. Yeah. But... I do agree with him about this. I, I think the Gettleman's era has not been good. It, it's been very tumultuous, to say the least. To from, put it mildly, yeah. From the outset. Oh, yes. So, is it time for a change there? I think so. I really do. Because Judge is doing what he can do as a head coach. Well, so He can only do so much with what he's given. If, if you give a race car driver a Honda Civic, mm-hmm. stock Honda Civic, nothing fancy with it, and you put him in a race out in Spain someplace, going up against 
Lamborghinis and Ferraris, yeah. you can't throw the guy off a proverbial cliff going, why the fuck did you lose? It's a Honda Civic against Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Like, he can only do so much. Yeah. Judge can only do so much with what he's given. If he's not given the pieces he needs or the pieces that help him win, you can't really shit on him about it. Well, that's the problem that you have with the front office is they're giving him s- – players to work with but it's not the right ones. it's not the right ones and you can definitely tell this and judge is doing what he can do like i said i don't fault him as much about this game no. as, I, as i do that no. the players just weren't up to snuff for this game and denver came in with a little chip on the shoulder that i think that they're getting written off and you can't say that it's not justified because this team is not the Denver Broncos of old. No, and, and I agree with you 100%. They're, you're getting a little slept on in their eyes because you got to remember they're in a division where the Las Vegas Raiders on the upswing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Enough said. Enough said. And you've got the L.A. Chargers in that division who are also on the upswing. So everyone's kind of looking at them, and, and when people, especially us, are picking them going, yeah, listen, uh, we're going to pick the Denver Broncos last. So they're like, hey, nobody's believing in us. Let's prove them wrong. Yeah, and that's a good mentality to have for your team moving forward. I mean, do I think they can contend in that division? I think, unfortunately, no. I think they're a couple years off. I'd say barring anything absolutely insane right now, no. In the future, maybe. In the future, yeah, they, they might have the pieces put together. But I'd say right now, Today, no, I don't think they can win that division. I think they could maybe contend for a wild card position. Yeah. Possibly if all the stars align, but I know that they suffered a big injury with Jerry Judy being out now yeah. for an indefinite period of time. So Teddy Bridgewater and Co. is going to have to really pull some magic out moving forward. Yeah, and they're going to have to really pull something out for, uh, quickly uh, because this coming Sunday they are traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Uh, so they're going to face Trevor Time. Uh, and then, God, that's weird to say after Trevor Hoffman. I know. Uh, and then Giants on the flip side, no time to dwell on the past. Uh, real quick turnaround, they're playing this coming Thursday uh, uh, in Washington. Well, that is a game they definitely have a good chance with because it's the NFC East, and the NFC East is absolute hot garbage. I'll say, and they that that to them, I would say, is a must win because it's not good to start zero and two. It's not good to start zero and two when one of those losses is in division. Yeah, so this is definitely a winnable game for them. It just depends on if Judge can pull some magic out and get those guys ready to go Thursday, especially with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick being out for Washington. Yeah, so like it's an unfortunate injury for them, and I know that they're going to go in with a new quarterback, so. This is the time the Giants got to really pull it together and pull yeah. something out because going down is not going to be easy. No. That being said, well, let's go to my locks and leaps. And my lock, I got to say, hit this one right on the head. Had a good vibe about this the entire time. Pad, how about those Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, so they played very well. Matthew Stafford, good goddamn. Uh, the Rams won by the final score of 34 to 14. Uh, Andy Dalton for the uh, Bears, 27 of 38 for 206 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, you did have Justin Fields under the game, uh, went two of two for 10 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, on the flip side, Matthew Stafford, 20 of 26, 321 yards passing, averaged 12.3 yards per pass, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and that line, real nice, only gave up one sack. Give him a line and watch what he can do. Give him a line and guys to throw to. Good goddamn. Uh, running game was pretty good. Uh, you had Daryl Henderson Jr., 16 carries, 70 yards, one touchdown. Receiving core, though, he was spreading the ball around like it was Christmas. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, seven catches, 108 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Van Jefferson, two catches, 80 yards, one touchdown. Tyler Higby, five catches, 68 yards, no touchdowns. 
Robert Woods, three catches, 27 yards, one touchdown. Like, even Deshaun Jackson got in on the game. Two catches, 21 yards, no touchdowns. Good Lord. The one thing we need to remember about Stafford is Stafford in Detroit kept that team afloat as much as he could. Sheer force of will. Exactly. He was a guy that came in there, did not complain that he was going to go to Detroit, literally gave everything he physically could for that team. So I could have left, and nobody would have batted an eye No, and, and he stuck. No, he stuck there as long as he physically could. And now he is in a much better place, and you can see the proof is right there. I mean, we got to remember, this is a quarterback who, for a lot of years, played with arguably one of the best receivers of all time in Megatron. Mm-hmm. And really didn't have any successor. They they won some games, but never made any deep runs in the playoffs. Well, that's the whole thing. They definitely did all they could do, but their line was never really fixed all those years. I mean, it's it's, it's oh, something yeah. that has haunted the Lions for decades now. Uh huh. So if you don't have an offensive line that can protect the quarterback, it doesn't matter if you have Tom Brady and his prime behind them. You need to keep your quarterback upright, and look what can happen when you do. Now Stafford is in a much better place. He looked fantastic. He was airing the ball out because now he has skill position players all around him. He definitely made noise and got the chains moving. This could not have been a more perfect debut for him. I believe yeah. his quarterback rating was 158. 156.1. Seriously. You can't have a better game than that unless you're playing a video game. And you're on easy. Exactly. Like, it's phenomenal to see him do that. I was super excited about it because, like I say, is he a, an elite quarterback? No. But is he somebody that will go in there and grind and literally talk about leaving it all in the field? Yeah. He literally has done that every year that he can physically muster the strength to get on the field. Yeah. He, like you said, he's not elite, but he's definitely a grinder, like you said. And he's also one of those guys that is scrappy and could really mess around and really run the tables and make a run. Yeah. I definitely could see that. And I think he's a perfect fit for L.A., because Jared Goff, I think, was just not the guy for that team. I think that he's a good quarterback, but if you want to talk about a difference in just leadership and grit, I think, in my opinion, Stafford takes the cake right there. Flipping the ball to the Bears. Hey. <sighs> you know, I, I, I can't rip on Andy Dalton. He has a special place in my heart for getting the Bills to the playoffs. This is true. So he is doing what he could do in Chicago. And that team is just not good. Yeah, I mean, they they had a pretty solid running game. David Montgomery, 16 carries, uh, 108 yards, one touchdown. So that's pretty goddamn good. No, it's it, pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, receiving core, though, uh, Marquise uh, Goodwin, four catches, 45 yards, no touchdowns. Cole Komet, uh, five catches, 42 yards, no touchdowns. Allen Robinson, the second, six catches, 35 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Damian Williams, four catches, 28 yards, no touchdowns. So, like, he spread the ball around, but it wasn't anything flashy. I think it's just the case of they just the Rams' defense held, uh, and the Bears' defense did not. The the Bears' defense is is kind of a shell of what it's used to been. We'll say this is not the '85 Bears of old, right? And that's the thing. I mean, is it a serviceable defense? Yes, but when you have a quarterback that one knows you very very well, yeah, from all the years you played, you got to throw different looks to throw him off his game. You didn't do that with Stafford. Yeah, and and the thing with the Bears' defense is they'll bend and break a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. clearly evidenced by giving up 34 points. But the thing that goes along with that is you need a quarterback who can go tit for tat with who's on the other side of the field. And, well, Andy Dalton isn't that guy. No, he's not that guy at this stage, as much as it hurts for me to say. They need to put in Justin Fields. Let it go. Yeah. Give the kid a chance. You draft him that high, 
you arguably the season I don't want to say is going to be a loss, but you did not really impress me enough to say that this team is going to put up a lot of wins this season. Yeah, off this game, Aaron Donald and company was throwing them around, and they were definitely imposing their will. Like we talk about that all the time in MMA. You saw that here. The Bears did not look like they were aggressive enough. Like, sure, did they get some stats? Yeah. So was it a lockdown defense by the Rams? No. Mm-hmm. But they did enough when they needed to lock it in to make stops. Yeah. I mean, in terms of bringing Justin Fields in, I'm looking at the Bear, the Bears schedule. Uh, this coming week, they're at home against Cincinnati. Uh, week three, they are traveling to Cleveland to play the Browns. And then week four, they're at home against Detroit. So Cincinnati, if they play right and play well, they could win. I, mm-hmm. I could see it happening. Uh, Cleveland, probably not going to win because Cleveland just went tit for tat with Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, and then Detroit should win. Now, if something goes wrong in that Cincinnati or Detroit game, because Cleveland's in, Cleveland, you ain't going to play well. You really can't factor that in. Mm-hmm. But if something goes real wrong in Cincinnati and Detroit or Detroit, then I could see them bringing in fields. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the sooner than later at this stage. I think they got to do something to shake it up a little bit. Well, say because after that they go just go through the gauntlet of teams after Detroit playing the Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers, 49ers, Steelers by week in week ten, and then they come out and face the Ravens. Yeah, that's it's going to be a tough stretch if they don't get them in sooner than later. That is the only thing if you're going to play them this year, which I think you should. In my opinion, I think you got to get them on the field as quick as possible. Usually, I like a quarterback to sit from mm-hmm. the college level if they can, but obviously you don't really have that opportunity right now with him and how your team is set up. I think the fields will give you the better chance to win at this stage. Oh, absolutely. And we'll have to see what happens moving forward. But for the Bears, a lot of questions going into week two. Rams, a lot of smiles and high fives going into week two as well. So playing the Colts. Yeah, that should be a very interesting one. But speaking of the Colts, let's talk about those Colts who let me down as my leap to one, Russell Wilson. Yeah, hey, hey, they let you down. Russell Wilson did me very, very proud. I because I got I got Russell on my fantasy, one of my fantasy teams. He got me something. Oh Christ, what was it like thirty something? Yeah, he, he he balled out. He he played extremely well as Seattle traveled to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And Pad, you got the stats up. Yeah, so Seattle won by the final score of twenty-eight to sixteen. Uh, Russell Wilson going twenty or excuse me, eighteen of twenty-three for two hundred and fifty-four yards. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 152.3. On the flip side, Carson, yeah, like I said, did me real nice in fantasy. Like he put, between him, DK Metcalf, and Amari Cooper, I was closed on that one fantasy game by 4 o'clock. Then you had uh, Carson Wentz on the flip side for Indy, uh, 25 of 38 for 251 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Well, this was an absolutely wild game for Seattle. They got up for it. Mm-hmm. For the Colts, you know, I always say they're the most boring team in football. Uh-huh. And kind of lived up to it here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was saying because you had Chris Carson, uh, 16 for 91 yards. Uh, and then on the receiving side, Tyler Lockett, four for 100 yards, two touchdowns. Goddamn. DK Metcalf, four for 60 and one touchdown. Goddamn. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, had Jonathan Taylor is the re- leading receiver for the Colts, six catches for 60 yards. Uh, Naheem Hines, uh, six catches for 48 yards. Zach Pascal, four catches for 43 yards. And then on the running game, Jonathan Taylor, 17 catches for 56 yards. So they were playing okay, just they went up against the better team. Yeah, that's the one thing about them. I mean, 
the Colts have the possibility to do a lot of good things. And like I say, this is a game I think they could have won, but Seattle just came in, and here is a wild stat I'm reading from NFL.com. Sure. Seattle is 12-1 and in their last 13 games starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, my Lord. So, obviously, for the West Coast, I mean, it's 1 p.m. Right. But still, like I say, that's a slight typo, but that is a wild stat that I was not aware of because usually when those teams travel – from west to east yeah. and vice versa, yep. it just it doesn't pan out. Yeah, and you gotta give credit to Russell Wilson. I know there was all that controversy in the offseason. He wanted out, and oh, yeah. you know yeah. he, he gave his teams he was gonna get traded to, and all that jazz. At the end of the day, listen, he loves being in Seattle. They have a great thing going with Pete Carroll. He just needs more help on that offensive line. But if you can get ninety-one yards out of your running back, which let's face it, Seattle has not had a real strong running game since Marshawn Lynch. Facts. You gotta kind of. This is a win, and that's what I think. That's what really changed the tempo of the game because Indianapolis was contending. I know there's a lot of questions with Carson Wentz. What were you gonna get out of him? Mm-hmm. And I think he was serviceable. Yeah, I don't think he was game changing. I don't think he's enough to get him over the hump, so to speak. But he did look okay in this game. Obviously, 25 for 38 and uh, throwing for 251. That's that's not good. A, that's a that's not a bad stat line at all. That's for him. That's a very good one. Yeah. But Seattle's defense really shut down Jonathan Taylor. Like I said, you can stop him the fifty six yards. That's a big deal. Yep. So they really just imposed that will. And like I said, they were airing the ball out. I was surprised at that. Like how much Russell was airing it out. Yeah. With Lockett getting hundred yards and Metcalf getting sixty. Well, you knew they were going to get their their touches. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing with Indy's defenses. Even from the time when it was Peyton Manning and those guys playing, and me watching the Patriots play them once a goddamn year and taking years off my life. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always good on defense at their line, but there were the the cornerbacks and the secondary guys were never anything that was like, holy shit, we're going up against this guy in, in Indy's secondary. Yeah. And that's still true. Like. Their guys up front aren't bad, but the secondary is really nothing to write home about. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of almost like, you know, faceless players because they don't really have that sizzle reel, like the, you know, the big hits. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I say. It's kind of just, you know, who are they? Not like, not an Atlanta situation where right. it's, who is right. Atlanta? What, what is, is Atlanta? Atlanta? No. But like I say, it's, it's that faceless, just next man up mentality that they have in Indianapolis. And that's what works because mm-hmm. you don't. They don't do anything too flashy, but they play solid. And they did play solid here. They didn't look bad. No, it's just they went up against a better team. But a better team showed up, and I like I was very surprised at what we got out of Seattle. I really yeah. was. Yeah, and if Indy wants to contend in that uh, AFC South division, they have really no room for for error. Uh, because like I mentioned, this coming week they are staying at home to play the Rams. But after that, they've got the Titans, Dolphins, uh, and the Ravens. And then on the flip side, uh, Seattle's got another good test this coming week uh, where they stay at they uh, have their home opener to play the Titans. Ooh. Well, that'll be something to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Indianapolis is going to have to make some moves quick. Seattle's in a good driver's seat going in week two, so you can't go falling around with that. Yeah. All right, Pad, let's go take it around the league, give our quick hits on this week's action. Yeah, well, I know everyone's going to ask me about the Patriots game, and hey, listen, they lost by one point, which if uh, Damian Harris could hold on to the goddamn ball, probably wouldn't have happened. But there's going to be growing pains. It's, it's a rookie quarterback who, from what I understand, it is the first time in the Belichick era he was starting a rookie quarterback week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but there's going to be growing pains, and, and there's going to be some lumps, and that's a lump, you know, we'll bounce back uh, this coming week. Uh, no, the game I want to talk about, though, I think is the game everyone's been talking about the last, like, 24 hours, and that's the Saints and Green Bay Packers game. 
Yeah. The, it was very going to be a very interesting game. You had Aaron Rodgers, of course, with everything that happened. And as the Rodgers turns, you know, soap opera during the offseason, uh, going to play the New Orleans Saints for Drew Brees list, Jameis Winston, you know, is this the Jameis Winston of old? Is this a new Jameis Winston? What are we going to get? Now they're playing in Jacksonville because of everything going on down south, which, again, hope you are all okay. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so what are we going to get? I don't think anyone outside of the state of Louisiana, and that's even the diehard nutcases in Louisiana, <laughs> thought this was going to happen, where you have the New Orleans Saints open up a can of Stone Cold whoop-ass and beat the Green Bay Packers by the final score of 38-3. to Jameis Winston, uh, 14 of 20 for 148 yards, five touchdowns. Yeah. For a quarterback rate, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 130.8. Good Lord. Uh, and then on the flip side, you had Aaron Rodgers, 15 of 28, 133 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 20 carries, 83 yards. Uh, and then uh, for receiving, uh, Deontay Harris, two catches, 72 yards. Jawan Johnson, three catches, 21 yards. Uh, Adam Trotman, three catches, 18 yards. And this is for New Orleans. And if you're sitting there going, wait, why is Michael Thomas not listed? He's on the physically unable to perform list. So yeah. he, he's not able to practice until week seven. So this is going to get real interesting uh, for New Orleans if they can keep this up. Green Bay, though, yikes. Well, you have to really kind of say Aaron Rodgers was his heart into the game. Like I, yeah. the, the body language I was seeing, I Emu- was, emulating Adam Sandler from the longest yard. I'm just saying it, it definitely resonated a bit. I know we have a lot of Packers fans that are listening to this podcast and I'm not trying to rain down on your team, but I'm just saying this whole off season shenanigans that happened with him in the front office. I think this is just the ramifications from that. Uh-huh. that I think that he is at least from this game, it almost looked like he was going through the motions, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like there wasn't that usual spark we see out of him. Yeah, and for a Saints defense that, let's face it, this is not a lights out defense by any stretch of the imagination. No, for a quarterback of Rogers' capability to be shut down to 133 yards and two interceptions, that is a big telling point that. He was just not up to snuff, did not get up to the game, in my opinion. Yeah. He looked awful. This might have been one of the worst games I think I've seen him play. I'll say this was a gaffe for me on fantasy because I started him over Stafford, but I was looking at it going, it's Rodgers against New Orleans defense. We ain't really anything all that special. Yeah. Boy, did that bite me in the ass. Yeah, well, it haunts you. Well, you got to go with Rodgers. Rodgers is Rodgers. This is why we talk about him because he's that great. Discount double check. Although, hey. maybe discount double check out. Well, you got to think about it in this case. What are we going to get from him next week? Like, this is where I'm already kind of saying. Like, maybe it was the first game, obviously not connecting with the team, obviously with the drama that haunts them. Okay, what are we going to get out of him moving forward? And that's going to be the big factor because if he plays another stinker game like this one, I'm going to say the stink will be leaving Green Bay sooner than later. Well, if if history is of any indication, I think he'll play just fine uh, because I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, next week, they are playing at home, home opener, uh, Monday Night Football. So the lights will be br- at their brightest mm-hmm. uh, against the Detroit Lions. Okay. So methinks, and I'm just going on a little early prediction, this isn't my lock for the week, but I think he might go full fuck you mode. Just, just because we remember the one season where people were panicking, they weren't doing so well, and they were freaking out. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Are they going to make the playoffs? And Rodgers got to the podium and he goes R E L A X, and 
they did pretty well for the rest of that year. Didn't win the Super Bowl, but they did pretty well. No, I agree with you. I think that he needs to have a statement game with this. Mm-hmm. If he puts up another dud and a stat line like this against Detroit, I would hit the panic button if I'm a Packers fan. And I would, too, because I'm looking at their schedule week three. This isn't a case of if he has another dud, he's got to hear it on sports television and sports radio for a week and then can kind of hide behind it in you know, a no-name 1 o'clock game. No, week three, they're going out to San Francisco to play the 49ers on Sunday night football. Yeah. So if he has another dud, he's going to be under the light, the bright lights again on Sunday night. It'll be a very, very long September going into October for him if he's throwing up duds like this. Yeah. And, and I, like I say, with his capability, I don't think he's fallen off. You no. know, we always say Father Time catches everybody. I don't think it's caught up to him yet. But if he puts up two more duds like this, especially Detroit, like th- this is the game – he needs to have a statement game. Like he needs four touchdowns, three hundred yards, mm-hmm. easy. Like I'm sorry, it's a vintage Rogers. Yeah, you need that classic Rogers game out Please of him. Please for my fantasy team. Well, you have to like for just the sanity of your fan base. Because I'm sorry, if he puts up another stinker line, I'm gonna bench his ass if he does. Well, no, but you, but this is where like this is gonna sound so crazy. But the fans will be already saying, well, maybe the GM was right after all. Uh-huh. And if you think it's ready to time to turn over the keys to Jordan Love. Oh. Yo. It's, I didn't think it could get messier than Favre, but, oh, boy, we might be there. Statements I never thought I would say on yeah. this podcast. I mean, I think at this point you can just kind of chalk it up to all the nonsense in the offseason, you know. And, yeah, he knows the playbook, but still it helps getting a full, normal offseason workout regimen and all this and all that. So I think at this point you can kind of chalk it up to the off-season antics and the nonsense and the bullshit, but he needs to come back with a statement vintage game next week. No, I agree with you. If anything's short, you're going to start hearing chirps. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying a lot of people, but you'll start hearing. You'll, you'll hear some whispers. Yeah, you'll start hearing some noise because this is not Aaron Rodgers of old, and if you're basically saying the, the front office was right about all this nonsense, this is not a good look for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's not. No. And for New Orleans, Jameis Winston, five touchdowns. Yo. Still early. Still early. Uh, they got an interesting test uh, next week, traveling to Carolina to play the Panthers. Uh, and then after that, they play the Patriots in New England, the Giants at home, uh, and then they play uh, Washington in Washington. Yeah, so they definitely got a couple more question marks to answer, but you know this is a big win. I mean, even though Green Bay's defense is very, very suspect too. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston lets you up for five touchdowns. This is true. Just, I'm just going to leave it there and walk away from this game. Obviously, I have to address the Bills dropping the home opener to those Pittsburgh Steelers, and it can get summed up like this. The Bills did not come out to play in that second half. Mm-hmm. The first half was very back and forth between them and the Steelers. We'll say a score at halftime was uh, 10-0 Buffalo. Yes. Both teams looked very, very bad on offense. We'll say I I was working that day, but I I checked the score at one point, and it was like late in the second, and I I checked on my phone. I was like, holy shit, it's only 3-0. That sounds like a great game. Yeah, no, it was was bad on offense on both sides. 
It really was. Najee Harris for Pittsburgh did not have a good opening game uh, to start. Yeah, uh, 16 carries, 45 yards, no touchdowns. Yes, but he was dropping a lot of passes too. Mm. So that was not a a good debut for him. So he was targeted three times, caught one of them for only four yards. Yeah. This is something he's going to have to work on moving forward. But he will because it's a rookie oh, yeah, game. Yeah, it's it's, rookie yeah game. that's what I said. I'm not writing him off yeah. just yet. But he had a bad game to start off with. Ben was not exactly too crisp that first half. Josh Allen was not crisp at all during this game. We'll say 30 of 55 out of 51, 270 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Yeah, he was missing, guys, especially late in the second half because one thing you always hear on this podcast, and I say this all the time, the Bills don't make second-half adjustments. I'll say you said it all last season. And I'm saying it now again because Pittsburgh switched up the schemes they were throwing at the Bills on, on when they had the offensive ball, and that's how they put up 20 points unanswered. So you have to kind of think about this for a second. The Bills went flat. This vaunted offense got shut down very, very quickly because, one, we don't have a running game, and that came back to haunt us. Devin Singletary did have a serviceable game. Uh, 11 carries for 72 yards, average 6.5 carries, but no touchdowns. You're not, so there's your number one guy. So what would your number two guy do? Oh, wait, your number two guy was your quarterback. Nine yeah. carries for 44 yards. Yes, which Josh was trying to extend plays. And I mean, he got he got lucky sometimes. Uh, he learned how to slide and run out of bounds. Christ, that only took a few years. I know. I was in there watching the game with Crazy Curtis Gaming and Rich from 3FN, and I was saying, like, at least he didn't hurl anybody. <laughs> and then... True. It just goes to show maybe showing some growth. But he tried pressing too much, but the biggest takeaway of that second half, undisciplined penalties came back to haunt them at the worst possible time on the defensive side of the ball. So holy shit, I'm just now seeing this. Uh you had so you had Pittsburgh uh get five penalties for thirty two yards. Buffalo had eight for eighty one. Yep. Oh majority second half. Yikes. And crucial times, too. And this is with Buffalo winning the time of possession in 33 minutes, 17 seconds, to Pittsburgh's 26 minutes and 43 seconds. Yeah, no, Pittsburgh came out that second half. Like, it was a day and night difference, and yet again, second half adjustments weren't there. This is what came back to haunt Buffalo. And then when they started running the ball with Singletary, because most of those yards he got was in the second half. And what they do when they got in the red zone, hey, let's throw the ball again. Like, I hate it when Dabble calls games like this. It drives me absolutely crazy because we're finally getting a running game going that Josh has time to finally get open and kind of do some play action and do something crazy. And yet we go right away from it. And then we have the 20 yard line. So the bills, I think had a very humbling defeat and this is going to be something that I want to see what they do next week against Miami in Miami. Yes. So this is a big game for them. I don't want to say must win, but I'm going to say this, if they have another Bad game in the second half. All that Super Bowl hype you heard is going to get thrown right out the window. It's a similar position to what I said the Giants are in. Mm-hmm. The Giants are 0-1. It, it it sucks for a team, and it's not great statistically for a team to go 0-2 in the regular season. Like You look at the stats, and percentage chance of them making the playoffs goes down the more you go without your first win. It does not help it anymore when one of those two losses is to a divisional opponent. Exactly. And especially Miami, and I'm not taking a shot at you, Pad, because... No, that's fine. They're not facing a rookie quarterback this week. Nope. Josh Allen, MVP talk last year, rightfully so. I'm not hating on my quarterback, but 
if Tua, who doesn't have a closer now, it's the Tua show, beats Josh Allen, this is going to be something to really be paying attention to for the yeah. Bills. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like I, I'm not saying this guy has fallen and the season's done, but the Bills are a better team on paper than Miami. So currently Buffalo is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, which is not much. That's a closer game than people realize. I know there were six-and-a-half favorites against the Steelers at home, which I thought was very, very high. This is more down-to-earth. For the Bills, they need to play four consecutive good quarters of football. If they don't, you can throw it out the window because if they come out and put up an absolute garbage second half, the game's going to be done. And Miami, listen, we'll scrap. The, you know, we talk about the faceless players. Yeah. That's pretty much their offense other than Tua because nobody really scares me on that. It's kind of you can just kind of substitute here and there, mm-hmm. and somebody will show up and play. Miami is very scrappy. I will give them their due. But this is a situation for Buffalo. They're a better team. They need to win outright. Enough said. Steelers, though. They look good. Yeah, no, they look good. They got an interesting test uh, this coming week playing at home, home opener against the Las Vegas Raiders. That will be a good test. Yeah, it will be. That will be a good test because the Raiders on Monday night, man, oh, man, oh, man. Good goddamn. The video game came to life getting the big win over Baltimore. That was insane. That was nuts. I, that kicker for uh, for Vegas is fucking ice cold. Yeah, and, you know, that's what Vegas needed. I know that Baltimore, listen. Uh, Daniel Carlson, I had to look up the name. I want to give him credit. Christ almighty. Yeah, it was back and forth. It was a good boxing match. It was a good scrap. Baltimore, that is a heartbreaking game to lose twice Uh in the same night. And I'm not taking a shot at Baltimore. I think that Baltimore is a lot better team than people realize. I know that they've had a lot of injuries at the running game. Oh, yeah. They're still the Baltimore Ravens. This goes to show that when the Raiders show up, they can show up. And they'll play. And this was a prime example. I just want to see that consistency throughout the season for the Raiders. Yeah. Because we know that they don't do that all the time. They this really is, don't. This is true. So, and, and the Ravens cannot sleep on anything because, Christ almighty, uh, their game this coming Sunday, Sunday Night Football, 820 on NBC, at home against the Chiefs. Yeah. So that'll be a good test. And, good you know, luck, kids. You know what? This is where you know where your cream of the crop is going to rise or is not. And these are the games that are really going to test you. Oh, yeah. It's it's true because Kansas City, they should have got beat by Cleveland. Yeah, they did. Cleveland had, the, Cleveland had them dead to rights. Yeah, Cleveland had them dead to rights but gave it up late. So, I mean, obviously Kansas City got out of there with a 33-29 win. Mm-hmm. They're lucky they snuck by. Arguably the biggest uh, shocker of the weekend for me was Arizona beating Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee only putting up uh, 13 points. Arizona putting up 38 Christ Almighty, uh, Kyler Murray, four touchdowns. Yo. Exactly. Arizona's for real. That's the one takeaway you got from that. And going around the league, it, it was pretty much even keel, I would say. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Shit is what Atlanta is. Yes. And for Philly, listen, pump the brakes. It's Atlanta. My team broke them five, six years ago. Yeah. They've been broken. Eagles fans, pump the brakes, please. You won a game you should have won. Don't. Don't call your shot for the Super Bowl just yet, please. Don't. We'll say they they got an interesting Eagles got an interesting schedule uh, this coming week. They are at home against the 49ers. Week three, they are traveling to Dallas to play the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. 
Uh, week four, that's that's going to be the test for Philly because I can see him beating Frisco. I can see him scrapping and, and maybe beating Dallas. You know, that's a coin flip. Uh, but then, because Dallas went tit for tat a little bit with the reigning champs. Dallas is a lot better than people give him credit for. Uh huh. The test, though, and this this is the one one of the two games I got circled for Philly because this is this is your litmus test. This is how good are you really? Mm-hmm. Week four at home, one o'clock, Kansas City, mm-hmm. and then week six at home, uh, Thursday and Thursday night, uh, eight twenty, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that that's your litmus test. Like you think you're hot shit and you're the best thing to come since sliced bread. Let's see what you do against those two. Exactly. Philly fan needs to pump the brakes immediately. Dallas fan has more to talk about right and, now. And you need to and you need to win those games convincingly, not like three points, not like an overtime yeah. touchdown. No, like a couple of scores. Yeah, you have a you, re- win, you win by a couple of scores and then you can talk some smack. Yeah, you can talk some smack, but if you do it like an overtime win, like Cincinnati did over Minnesota, listen. You don't have the a lot to talk about, Philly, if you do a score like that. Now, granted, Cincinnati had a great win. The Joe Burrow era definitely showed a lot of grit in that game. Oh, absolutely. So that one was going back and forth. So many highlights, man, going on from this weekend. It's definitely a lot to talk about. We could keep going on, but we are going to say we're going to take a quick break right now. But we want to interact with you, ODPH Society. What is your takeaways from week one? Who did you like? Who did you not? How did your team do? Let's have that conversation. Week one is in the book. There's a lot more games to be played. So if your team is 0-1, the season's not over. still early. It's still early, folks. A lot of time left to make that comeback. So let us discuss, shall we? But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce. We got hot takes. We got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast. It's harder than a Goku gut punch. (laughs) Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And let's talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So as we were recording this week... Tonight is the premiere of NXT 2.0, as the internet is running with. Mm -hmm. The WWE developmental system slash third brand is doing a little uh, refreshing, if you will. Sure. And they're going to have a new set design, a new logo that has been posted all over social media, which has been met with very mixed results. Yeah. And now we are going into it with, unfortunately, a looming cloud overhead that it was announced over the weekend that NXT champion Samoa Joe has been uh, pulled from the championship title that he had because of medical reasons. Yeah, it, and it's sounding like from the stuff that's been coming out today as we record that it's not creative. It's not some disagreement he has with management, that it's legitimately he's hurt. Yes. So what what it is, we don't know. We're not going to speculate. If it comes out, it comes out. But as of right now, as of this recording, we do not know what it is, but it is sounding for all intents and purposes that it is a legitimate injury. Yes, and WWE is being very smart with him because he is one of their franchise guys. Yeah, and and, and I know some people are going to be like, oh, they're just doing it, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, we're, we're saying this is like it's a legitimate thing. You know, they're, they're, they're being very close to the chest with it, which is understandable. It's one of their contracted guys. Yeah, and we don't need to know the reason why. We just need to know he's not, unfortunately, going to be wrestling for a while, and it's because of an injury. That's all we need to know, people. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need the exact details. I'm sorry, unless you're, you're, you're helping him out medically, that's none of your business. So 
We'll just say we wish him a speedy and healthy recovery, and I can't yeah. wait to see him back in the ring soon. Yeah. But now that he had to vacate the title, we now have a very, very interesting premiere tonight. Yeah. So Pat's going to read down the card and uh, kind of give our takes on what we're expecting from NXT 2.0. Yeah, so, of course, we have the brand relaunch tonight, or rebranding, whatever you want to call it. As Ken mentioned, there's going to be the Capitol Wrestling Center is going to have a different look. I know there was, like, a blurred-out image WWE released, which I got to say, I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, just from the little bit I saw, the little image that was blurred out, I don't hate it. You yeah. know, full judgment when we finally see it. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, one of the things we have going on tonight, wedding of the century, folks. Forget any royal British weddings. Forget any celebrity weddings. Forget whoever the hell else is going to get married for the rest of the century. The wedding of the century is here. Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis, tying the knot. Index. Yes. One of the best storylines going on in all of NXT. Also, some of the best vignette work they've been doing for w- all of WWE Yes, in the last like, five, ten years. Yes, expect big shenanigans. Christ almighty, the video, the vignette they did last week for, for Dexter Loomis's, uh, uh bachelor party, where them in the zombified ref w- reasons mm-hmm. went go-kart racing. Yeah. Just I was in stitches. Yeah, they are having a lot of fun there, and it did look a lot like WWE programming. Mm-hmm. which I know I was hearing a lot of interesting feedback on the net about. And listen, just take it for what it is. Wrestling does not need to be serious all the time. Mm-hmm. So that being said, expect a lot of shenanigans tonight. Yeah. And uh, we'll kind of see how that storyline uh, finishes out. Yeah. Uh, there was supposed to be an NXT Women's Championship match taking place between Raquel Gonzalez defending her belts against Frankie Monet. However, it is being reported by Fightful Select that the match is no longer taking place and there is no word yet as to whether it will or whether or not it will be rescheduled. So, again, the situation, we don't really know what's going on, whether it's injury whether it's something happened or bump for time whatever it is we don't know but that sucks and you know keep your eyes and ears tuned to social media i'm sure something will come of it whether it's a reschedule or just you know taking place at a different time yeah super bummed out about that gonzalez and frankie would have been a phenomenal match yeah but but we'll have to just wait to see about that. Obviously, we hear, we'll hear more on the television taping tonight as well. So Yeah. Uh, and then uh, for, this is obviously going to be your main event. It was already The match was already scheduled, but now it is because of Samoa Joe relinquishing his NXT championship. This match is now for the vacant NXT championship. You have LA Knight taking on Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, and Tommaso Ciampa in a fatal four-way. For, as I mentioned, the vacant NXT championship. Goddamn, this is going to be good. This is going to be a very solid match. And as I'm reading off comicbook.com, uh, WWE signs NXT's Pete Dunne to a new contract. Hey. So there was a little question if he was going to be leaving or doing something like that. But that is the headline that is on comicbook.com. Yeah. So uh, Pete Dunne is now re-upped with NXT, WWE. So listen, that's a big win for them. And this match is going to be a big win as well for all four of the gentlemen involved in this match. They are all main event players in mm-hmm. NXT. And I expect a great match from all of them. And I tell you what, I agreed with Rich last night on 607TWS. If you don't, if you haven't caught that yet, the podcast will be out Wednesday. Twitch stream is still up right now. I'm calling LA Knight to win. Okay. That I think that even though Pete Dunne, that was the only question I had is if Pete Dunne was going to resign or not by the time this match went down. And obviously, according to the headline, he did. I still don't think that changes anything. I still think that we get L.A. Knight to get the belt. All right. He did a great job in the feud with Cameron Grimes to the moon. And I think this is going to be his reward for it because that, unfortunately, won't be a fight forever right now, but they can come back to it. 
but he's poised and ready to go with it. He is a star in NXT. He can talk on the mic. He can go in the ring. That's what you want as a champion. Oh, absolutely. And to see where it kind of balances out from there. Like, Listen, all four of these guys are worthy champions to have here. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. LA Knight, like you said, is, is ready, willing, and able to go with and run with this championship. And I think I can do a lot of fun things with it. I, I think if it's not him, though, I think my money's on Pete Dunne just mm. because he's been he's been there a while. You know, he's it's a new face. You know, they just kind of did the whole back and forth with guys who've already had the belt between Cole, Balor, Cross, Joe having it again. Champa's already had it. O'Reilly, maybe. I don't. I don't think they're going to do that quite yet. I think they're going to save him getting the belt for maybe the next big WrestleMania takeover or something like that. Uh, but I, I think if I had to put money on it, if it's not LA Knight, I think it might end up being Pete Dunne. I think it'll be a heel champion. Unless they turn Chamaso Champa back heel, mm. which he is amazing as a heel. Uh, see his entire feud with Johnny Gargano. Yes. I mean, like I say, there's so many different directions they can go in, and I know a lot of eyes are going to be on the show tonight. And I think that for all the paranoia that we've heard over the past few weeks about how Vince has taken a more hands-on approach allegedly to the show. Which even that's been going back and forth, whether it is or isn't. Yeah, no matter what, NXT is still going to be what it's always been. You want a different look at the WWE style of wrestling, this is where you go. Mm-hmm. It definitely has that indie vibe to it, but yeah. if they're going to polish it up a little bit more to the WWE main roster style, I don't necessarily know if that's a super bad thing. Yeah, no, no. I think at this stage, they've been doing things as the best indie that's not in indie mm-hmm. for many years now. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is not due to anything AEW is doing because I don't think Vince gives a rat's ass about AEW. No, he doesn't. I think that this is Vince going, when was the last time we did anything to NXT? It's been a while. I was going to say logo, setup. Lo- I mean, Logo's been changed a couple times. A couple times here and there. Well, set's been changed a couple times, although admittedly the last change was because of the pandemic. Right, so you, you have to kind of take that one out of the equation. Yeah, I mean, although I will say, I think if there's anything from the previous NXT that could use kind of a refresher cleanup is the set look, because don't get me wrong, I got nothing wrong with the CWC. They made the best out of the situation oh, they, facts, they yeah. were dealt. It's not as crisp and as clean as, say, Raw or SmackDown or even AEW. I know Vince doesn't give two flying fucks about AEW, but I will say their stage setup and ring setup and just the way they present things is very crisp and clean. Yeah. NXT, and I know this is this was the look they were going for. It's a little grungy. It's a little grimy. It's a little, you know, oh, this is indie. This ain't the most polished thing in the world. This, this is the stuff you're really not supposed to know about, you know, type of thing. But presentation-wise, it's hard to bring people in when it's like, wait, this doesn't really look like that. Exactly. They want to get a lot of eyes on the product, and I don't think the ratings are a very big matter to them about NXT. I think more so it drives Raw and SmackDown. Mm -hmm. But I think for NXT, they have a lot of wiggle room because they're locked in a very good contract. Oh, yeah. So with their programming with the USA, and I know USA really wants to get that show up in the ratings, and, and you know this is a way to do it too. Because if you're giving a new, fresh look, you're adding some stars. I mean, I'm guessing we might have some guest appearances tonight. Because, I would imagine because so. it's the big refresh. Yeah, you, we'll we'll get a decent spike out there. And then, I would also not be surprised if we see one, uh, whatever the hell he's going by now, because I know they gave him a new name, Parker Bordeaux. 
Well, you might. I know that there's a uh, Gunnar Harland. I think is his name. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, like I don't. I wouldn't doubt you see a lot of that new talent that was just signed in the one of the more recent trainee classes. If you're not familiar, WWE does sign a trainee class or new signings all in a bunch together. Mm-hmm. So it's all about usually about eight people in a class and, give or take yeah. yeah so when they're ready to make their main roster debut you hear rumors of a name change possibly and listen that's smart business yeah. so for anybody that was complaining about parker bordeaux being gunner harlan rich talked about this last night too on 607 TWS, and i agree with this and just to spread that when you sign to wwe you're basically signing as a character mm-hmm. this is almost the same deal as marvel or dc yeah to flip it to the comic point they have complete creative control over your character. Mm-hmm. That is the brand you go to when you sign there. Listen, it is what it is. Well, and, and in only in very rare instances does a person keep their their names. Eli Drake, very well known on the IWC and on the Indies and and across the world. Even Eli Drake got a new name. Yeah. Very rarely does a guy come in from the indies and keep his name. Exactly. And it's smart business too, because if you leave spoiler alert, Finn Balor, isn't his real name and not the name he went with on the indies. Yeah. Same thing with Kevin Owens and Kevin Steen. Uh huh. You very few times that happens. Adam Cole is one of the rare occasions. Adam Cole's the rare occasions, AJ Styles, Shinsuke, you know, but those transcended everything. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it, it happens once in a while, but it's also smart business when you go in there, especially if you're, if this is the first time you're going into a wrestling company of the stature of WWE, is give a character name that you know what. If you leave for whatever reason, you can go back to whatever you want to use, mm-hmm. and you have a little more creative freedom. That's why I kind of always refer to it as like you know, Marvel and DC, like for you know comic terms. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, when you make a new character, it belongs to Marvel Entertainment or DC. You know, if you're under that banner, and that's how you're doing books, unless you have a career own deal worked out. Granted, I know I'm kind of mixing up the universes here on the ODPH, but it's you're, still the you're same blowing concept. Minds. Yeah, it's still the same concept. And that's what you're going to have here, too, because I wouldn't doubt they debut a few new stars. Will I say we'll see Gable Stevenson tonight? Probably, maybe. No, maybe for like a, a ringside type of thing. Maybe just to do that whole takeover in the crowd announcing that he has signed. Yeah, they haven't done that in a while. They haven't done that in a while. I, I wouldn't doubt that happens tonight. But they're going to have a lot of eyes on the product, and that's the big thing. They, they want to put their best foot forward with this refresh that everybody is very skeptical of. Mm-hmm. Just because we know NXT as being the best indie the WWE has, it's a great product. Triple H has done an amazing oh, job yeah. with it. Yeah. It has a different vibe than Raw and SmackDown. So what is this massive change going to be? Probably nothing but the set. Yeah, the set, the look, maybe the graphics, music, you know. They might go away from the the grunge, metal, you know, alternative music for every takeover. You know, it just might be the visuals. You know, we we don't really know. And and like you said, Vince ain't sweating the money. Yeah, he's not sweating. He's not sweating any. I mean, Russell Nomics put out a thing yesterday uh, with all values adjusted to what the dollar is worth in 2020. Uh, Vince has made more money off of the five Saudi Arabia events than he's made for every ticket sale for WrestleMania. Yeah, that's insane. He, he's made $250 million off of the five Saudi Arabia events spanning from 2018 to 2020. And for every WrestleMania, which is run from, this is for 1985 through 2019, he's made $210 million. Yeah. He ain't sweating money, folks. Plus you fast. So he's got $250 million from the Saudi, from the Saudi shows, which say what you will about those shows. 
But then you also factor in the deal he did with Fox, mm-hmm. the deal they did with Peacock, mm-hmm. and and the deal they re-upped with uh, USA. USA. Yeah, that he ain't hurting, folks. That's what I say. Like for he, he ain't sweating whatever AEW's doing. Exactly. He's not worried about you, you want to go anything. You want to go tit for tat, dollar for dollar. Vince will do it. Yeah, Vince is in there waiting. Like you know, if, if AEW's really feeling themselves, we'll have to see how they respond to this. I guess, but it's a one-sided war that nobody's fighting back. Like, that's the whole thing about it for the, you know, the whole ratings war, demo war, whatever. You, if you mm-hmm. want to drink that Kool-Aid, go right ahead. Keep your cup to yourself, though, because I don't drink that. I am just saying that Vince is going to go through with a good refresh tonight and maybe throw something different to an NXT audience to try maybe get a rating spike and yeah. kind of see just to get new eyes on the product because at the end of the day, you want people watching your product. Now, are we going to see a change in the wrestling action? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, Triple H is still attached to the program. Well, say they William si- Regal is still attached to the program. Let's say Shawn Michaels still down there. But it's like you said, they sign these guys, and even the most seasoned indie guys don't come up make their TV debuts until they've learned the WWE way. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, it's different. It's presented different and all that, but it's still the WWE way. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to see the future of the company there, too. They have a lot of new faces that they've signed recently that I know get – really fallen behind the wayside with all the release nonsense that, you know, had transpired too. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a, a turning point for NXT and where they're going to go from here is literally going to be anybody's guess. But for fans of the product go in tonight with good vibes and, you know, let's see if there's any drastic change. Cause I don't think we're going to see any, I no. think we're, I think we have a great show like we always do. And as wrestling fans, that's something we all could get excited about. Hell yeah. So that being said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts going into NXT tonight? And then after the show, I definitely want to get the feedback from the ODPH Society. What did you love about it? What did you hate about it? And let us have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC Universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some baseball. It has been a hot minute since we've talked about it, because let's face it, baseball is a long season. This is true. 
So now that we are coming into the final stretch and going into the playoffs, mm-hmm. we got to give a breakdown of where we kind of think everything's going to end up. So, Pad, you got the rankings right now? Yeah, so we're going to be looking at the standings. As, as Ken said, it's a long season, and they are coming, as the, to borrow from the notification I got from the MLB app today, they are coming down the home stretch, as it were. Uh, looking at some standings, uh, currently in the American League East, uh, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays in first place with a record of 89-55. and 55. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays sitting in second place with a record of 81 and 63. They are eight games out of first place. The, the New York Yankees sitting in third place uh, with a record of 80 and 64. They are nine games out of first place. And then the Boston Red Sox, 81 and 65. They're also nine games out of first place. And then you've got the Baltimore Orioles who are, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for the sake of not getting uh, knocked through a wall from dog, I'm not going to read the record because it's bad. Yes. Uh, so you've got Tampa Bay sitting pretty and eight games ahead, and I don't see them giving that lead up anytime soon. They've been on a roll of late. I imagine the uh, Tampa Bay Rays will win the American League East. Uh, what are you thinking about that one? I got to agree with you, too. I mean, Tampa Bay, listen, we talk about, you know, not flashy teams. Mm-hmm. You know, the it's a very, you know, Team first, player second, almost five. Mm-hmm. Tampa does this better than anybody because every so often they get this big resurgence because they go through their farm system. They don't sign the big free agents mm-hmm. to come play. And then they pan out until teams start. It comes very interesting for teams to go and raid their teams mm-hmm. because Tampa does not really sign, in my opinion, too many players long term. No, they like, really don't. Like You don't hear about like the Albert Pujols contracts of the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. So that being said, this is one of those years that they're going to go as far as they can go. Yeah, and they're playing at a really high level. Yeah, I mean they're giving they're scoring. They've scored seven hundred and seventy six runs and allowed six hundred and six for a plus one seventy differential, and they're winning their games like they should. You know, as I've said for years, that ballpark is a house of horrors for any team that goes in to play there. Yeah, they've got a home record of forty five and twenty six and a away record of forty four and twenty nine. And against teams under 500, they're 42 and 37. They are winning the games they should. Yeah, they're doing what they're doing everything right that they should do, and they're yeah. fu- they're fundamentally sound. Oh, absolutely. Toronto, this is kind of the big X factor though, for mm-hmm. me. because they do have a lot of young talent led Let's by that, one Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who I'm starting to think he's at like 45, 46 home runs. Dude might win the MVP over Otani. I would not doubt it. He's definitely carrying this team on his back. Playing like his dad. Yeah, but he's doing all the right things, and they have such a nice little nucleus mm-hmm. up in Toronto. that They're quiet. Yeah, they're another team that's very quiet, but they put up wins. Outside of George Springer, who's a piece of fucking shit for things he did in a certain city in Texas. Mm-hmm. But that's another story. Uh, you know, no, yeah, you're right. Toronto's playing very good. You know, they've scored 765 runs, given up uh, 591. Uh, they've got a home record of 40 and 29, away of 41 and 34, and then against five, sub 500 teams, they're 45 and 39. So they're they're again winning the games they should, and they're very sound. They've played the Yankees very rough this year, and they've hit the shit out of them. Yeah, and then those Yankees, yeah, they went on that run for a while, and then they're not doing so hot. You know, I know they won their last couple, and. Uh, Francisco Lindor is now probably the most hated man in New York, not named Trey Young. Yes. Uh, you know, but Yankees are doing it's They got to stay healthy. I mean, that's that's the big thing. I know there was the scare with Cole, and, and Judge left the game last night with dizzy spells. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to stay healthy, and they get lucky. They might be able to make a run, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath about this because their pitching is absolutely bad. Yeah. Other than Garrett Cole. Who's doing the best with what he can. Yeah, which I'm sorry, with that payroll – 
you should be doing a lot better. Well, you, they should be, but then you factor in Chapman having that awful stretch. They've lost Tyone, who's been a very good pitcher for them. He's He's gone for, I believe, the rest of the year. Kluber was out for most of the year. Severino wasn't who was expected when they're going into the season. All right, you know, you're going to patch the the this rotation until Severino can come back and then he's going to be a great addition to the to the uh, starting rotation. And then Severino didn't come back. Mm-hmm. And then Kluber went out for most of the year. And then Cole had his stretch where he was really up and down. And Chapman had his issues. You know, it's it's just been not as crisp as I would like. Is no, they're definitely not playing crisp. And the problem too is they have too many home run hitters and not enough small yeah, ball players. That's I mean, true. and that's the one thing that's going to haunt them. I'm sorry, Gary Sanchez in a clutch situation. I'm already turning the TV off. I hope he proves me wrong. But hey, listen, he proved you wrong yesterday. Scary Gary season. Yeah, it's, you know a broken clock is right twice a day too. Uh, you're not wrong. So you know what? He got one hour right. Yeah, that's let's see true. About the, let's see about the other ones. That's true. But that's the situation they have. I mean, I'm sorry, Stanton. Until he can really hit a curveball, yeah, I'm not impressed with. He's, he's got his flashes. He, he has he has flashes, and that's a perfect way to describe it. It's a flash, blink, and you miss it. Mm-hmm. When he's when he's good, he's good. I'll give him that. But it's so few and far between that Judge is putting so much pressure on his himself that I fear that that's going to catch up him to in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they've got some other pieces working for him. I think Rizzo's panned out very well for him. Gallo's been pretty good. Gallo's been as good as expected. Yeah, you know, that's been, that's worked out for him. You know, and, th- and then they just figure out the rest of the infield. I know they moved Glaber Torres over to second base last mm-hmm. night, so we'll see how that goes. But if they get things figured out, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, they just got to piece it together in time. Otherwise, I think if they don't make it, uh, Aaron Boone is good as gone. I'm starting to lean that way, too. I was like, ah, can you really fire him for the way he's up? But I'm starting to think, yeah, he might. You, you, he have might, to. you might get fired. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not wishing anybody to get fired, but you have to. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's had enough time with this team and to develop a pitching rotation, and let's face it, it just hasn't happened. And I would say, well, you know, it's just a problem, but it's the Yankees. If they want to go get somebody, they Uh would go get them. If you're not fixing the problem, you got to be part of the solution, and that's showing yourself out to the door. Uh And you got to be savages in the box. Yep. Uh, And then you got Boston, who, well, they're not great. You know, they're they're okay. There's really nothing you can say about Boston other than they're there. They're going to be kind of in the same boat the Yankees are, which yeah. is weird to say. They're good, they're good at home, which they've always been good at home. They're forty four and twenty nine at home on the road. They're very suspect. They are thirty seven and thirty six, and then against teams under five hundred, they're forty four and forty five. Yeah, like I said, they're in the same boat the Yankees are. Yeah, they, both of them should be at the top of the division with the payroll they have and the positions. And I know Boston is in a quote unquote rebuilding year, yeah. and they've had some problems. I mean, Chris Sale has not been there. Yeah, up until recently, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know what, you have to. They get more of a pass than the Yankees. Do. Sure. Sorry, that's just it's facts. Sure. But the fact that they're still in the talk for the second wild card, I mean, that goes to show. I hate giving the double their due, especially because Boston. Mm-hmm. But it's true. I got to be unbiased here. Yeah. But and the Orioles, we don't even need to say. Yeah. You know they have uniforms. So it's great. They're bad. They're they're eliminated from postseason contention. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, moving over to the Central, you've got the Chicago White Sox in first place. They're eighty-two and sixty-one. Uh, you've got the Cleveland uh, Indians, who are sixty-nine and seventy-two. They are twelve games out of first place. Uh, and nine games away from being eliminated from the division, uh, winning the division title. Uh, you've got the Detroit Tigers, who are 68 and 76, 14 and a half games out of first place. Uh, they are five games away from being eliminated from being able to win the division. 
Uh, Kansas City Royals are 65 and 78. They are 17 games out of first place and three games away from uh, being eliminated from being able to win the division. And then we've got the Minnesota Twins who are 63 and 81, 19 and a half games out of first place, and they are eliminated from uh, being able to win the division. I think we can kind of sum this up just saying the White Sox. How are they doing this? Uh, <laughs> very well. I mean, like we saw their one-game series or couple-game series against the Yankees. Uh, they're doing it very well. Uh, they've scored 708 runs. They've only given up 574. Uh, and like I said, they're doing very well. They've only lost 25 games at home all year. Yeah. They've won 48. And then away, they're a little more suspect. So that could get interesting for them in the playoffs going on the road. Because right now, they're 34 and 36 on the road. Uh, and then against five, under 500 teams, uh, they are 25 and 29. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the division is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we, I don't think we got to spend a lot of time mentioning no. that. It's just at this end of the season, you got to focus on who's going to really make that runs in the playoffs. And yeah. Sorry, it's, not, uh, it's yeah. not the White Sox. I mean, who else is there in that central? Yep. And then out west, you've got the goddamn motherfucking Houston Astros in first place who cheated. Uh, they've got a record of 84 and 59. By the way, did I mention they cheated? <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, they cheated. Uh, in second place, you've got the Seattle Mariners who are 78 and 66, uh, six and a half games out of first place. Uh, third place is the Oakland A's, who are 77 and 66, seven games out of first place. You've got the LA Angels, who are 70 and 73, 14 games out of first place. Uh, and then you've got the Texas Rangers, who are 53 and 90, and they're 31 games out of first place. So they're there. Yeah. First place team we don't need to talk about. Uh, they cheated. Exactly. Uh, switching over to the National League, uh, you've got the Atlanta Braves in first place at 76 and 66. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are in uh, second place at 72 and 71. They're four and a half games out of first place. You've got the New York Mets who are 72 and 73, uh, who are five and a half games out of first place. Listen, all I'm going to say is the Mets season peaked when they were 69 and 69. And to that, I say nice. Yes. Uh, you've got the Miami Marlins who are 61 and 83. They are 16 games out of first place. And then you've got the Washington Nationals who are 59 and 85, and they're 18 games out of first place. So they're there. Yeah, I mean the Braves, they're doing it very solidly. I mm-hmm. mean, they they've done this through some injuries too, yeah. which you have to give them a lot of credit for. Yeah. But they are a scrappy team in that division and you know, the Braves they somehow find ways to do this. Yeah, they I would say they are they are the Indianapolis Colts of Major League Baseball yeah. uh, because they are 37 and 34 at home, 39 and 32 on the road and 28 and 36 against teams under 500. Yeah, so I mean they're not exactly flashy by any means, even though they do have a couple all-stars on their team. That's true. But let's face it, Atlanta's not really put up a lot of highlights. No, they're really not. They're not They're yeah. not sexy. No. And then the Phillies, I mean, Bryce Harper is doing what he's doing down there. Yeah. They're playing solid ball. Yeah. I mean, Joe Girardi still manager down there. Somehow. I mean, they're, yeah. they're giving up more runs than they're scoring. They're giving up 670 runs to 651. So they've got a minus 19 differential. So somehow they're they're still in contention for this damn thing. Yeah, it's absolutely wild to figure out. And then those Mets. Yeah. Those Mets. Fuck them. <laughs> let, let them know, Pat. I, I'd, I'd whistle, but they might get offended and give me the thumbs down. Ooh, he went there. I did. He so did there. Brett Gardner, who should have his goddamn number retired for that move. Yes, yes, he should. Uh, switching over to the NL Central, you've got the Milwaukee Brewers, who are in first place uh, at 89 and 55. Uh, you've got the Cincinnati Reds, who are 75 and 69, 14 games out of first place. I think you can see where this division is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, who are 74 and 69, and 14 and a half games out of first place. The Cubs, who are 65 and 79, and 24 games out of first place. Uh, they are eliminated. Uh, and then you've got the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are 52 and 91, 36 and a half games out of first place. They are also eliminated. So, Brewers, 
What can you say about them? Uh, they're real good. Uh, they are 40 and 31 at home, 49 and 24 on the road. And then against teams under 500, they're 36 and 29. They're, they're real good. They're playing real solid. They've also got, I, I saw at the gym the other day, uh, one of the TVs was on the Mets broadcast. They were talking about like the youngest rotations in baseball. I'm pretty sure they've got like the, it's either the youngest or the second youngest rotation in baseball. Yeah. So they're very young with all absolutely nuts. I want to say also, bizarrely enough, I think Ryan Braun announced his retirement. Yes, he did. You know, so happy career to you and enjoy retirement, sir. Uh, but no, Milwaukee's one of those fun teams that like if they're on, I can watch them. Yeah, well, I mean, they're fun to watch. It's always it's always helps when Christian Christian Yelich is in the lineup. That's true. So he definitely is. He puts up some stats. Win he one puts, for the euchre. Yeah, he puts up a lot of highlights. So That's like I true. say, for Milwaukee. They have a lot of promise, mm-hmm. and I think that they're a team that once they clinch in the playoffs, they're going to be a team that could be a big X factor. That could be. And I think that they could definitely give the teams in the NL West a good run because for my money, I'm sorry, the chip is coming out of the West for the National League. Oh, that's a goddamn lovely. Yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. Like With all respect to anybody in the NL East and Central – I'm hoping Milwaukee does make a run, but listen, it's either going to be Giants or Dodgers. Yeah, I'll say because in the West, you've got the San Francisco Giants in first place, and they've already clinched a playoff berth. They celebrated like it was a nightclub last night. Look up the video. Yeah. Uh, they have a record of 94-50. and 50. Like, what the Christ. Uh, you've also got the L.A. Dodgers in second place who have a record of 92-53. and 53. They are two and a half games out of first place. Uh, you've got the San Diego Padres who are 74 and 69. They are 19 and a half games out of first place. Colorado Rockies who are 66 and 78. They are 28 games out of first place. So hey, they're there. And then you've got the Arizona Cardinals who are not Arizona Cardinals, Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, who are 47 and 97, and they're 47 games out of first place. So hey. They're there. They could join the Century Club. Yeah. Uh, they're bad. So, but, no, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Just the way the Giants and Dodgers are playing, the champ, whoever wins the World Series is coming out of that West. Yeah, absolutely. I can see the Dodgers making a run back. That, Easy. that Dodgers starting rotation is fucking ridiculous. Break it down, Pat. You, you've got Clayton Kershaw. You've got Max Scherzer, who are just good enough in and of themselves. It, it's just an absolutely bonkers rotation that I just don't think gets enough praise. Although, well, let's face it, they probably do. Well, they get enough praise because they are a team built to win right now. That is the thing about the Dodgers. With Mookie Betts in the lineup. That's true. They have the players in place to make a run the next few years. Yeah, so, they're, so for their starting rotation, they've got Clayton Kershaw, uh, Walker Bueller, who – Ain't that bad. He did pretty well last. Yeah, he's solid. He did last postseason. They got Max Scherzer, uh, Julio Arias, Tony Gonzalez. They got David Price as well, who ain't who ain't a bad lefty to have in there. Unless they're facing the Yankees. That's true. Unless you're facing the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, and in which case he's fucked. Yep. Look up the stats. It's true. You know, but no, I, I think it, I think the Giants are doing well, but I think the Dodgers have just got all that experience in that in that play. That team is ridiculous. Yeah, like I said, I don't doubt that this is going to be. One of those two teams in your World Series. No, absolutely. Like, I'm sorry, the Dodgers are just built that good, and the Giants. Listen, mm-hmm. the I they they take advantage of a weak division. Yeah, in my opinion, I'm sorry. The fact that you've got to face the Diamondbacks how many times a year? Yeah, you got to face the Rockies how many times a year? Yeah, and then you look at that atrocious NL Central. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. That's the teams you beat up on, and I'm sure that if you really want to see the cream rise to the to the top here, yeah, this it's got it's got to be LA. It's got to be it's, LA. It's gonna be. And I mean, looking at the wild card. So for the American League, you've got the Rays, 
fucking Astros. Uh, and then the White Sox is your division champs. And then for the wild card, you've got Toronto uh, in a commanding first place. So they're one game ahead of the second place Yankees. Uh, also in the mix, you've got Boston and Seattle. Uh, over in the National League, you've got the Giants, Brewers, and Braves, for those of you keeping track at home. Uh, and then for the wild card, you've got the Dodgers in first place uh, with a fucking ridiculous 16.5 game lead on the second place wild card team. So, hey. Dodgers are going to make it in. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the Cincinnati Reds who are in there for the second wild card spot, but right behind them you have the Padres and Cardinals, both a half game behind. So if the playoffs were to start today as we record, uh, you would have the Tampa Bay Rays uh, going up against whoever would win between the wild card playing game between the Blue Jays and Yankees, and then you'd have the White Sox playing the Astros, and then on the uh, National League side you'd have the Giants playing whoever would win between the Dodgers and Reds play on uh, game playoff game uh and then you have the braves playing the uh brewers so some fun baseball coming up if it all lines up oh yeah no postseason's a lot of fun like i know regular season like like we said it's a slog it's a marathon yeah it's not, it's not a sprint but postseason baseball is so much goddamn fun oh yeah postseason baseball is what we really kind of hone in on like we don't go over the regular season because it's 162 games yeah the needle doesn't really move like it does in other sports when you start out talking those early beginnings of the season Baseball, it's usually right after the All-Star game. That's when you get the real test of how everybody's doing. Yep. And that's where the headlines are coming in right now because as we're lining up, who's shaping up to make a run for the playoffs? I mean, obviously, we can't stress it enough. The NL, unless Milwaukee pulls off some crazy run, it's coming out of the West. Whoever beats the Astros, I will not say shit about you for a calendar year. We will like you. even if it's, Yeah, we will. Even if it's Boston? Yeah. Y- there's exceptions. Yeah, well, we just might just talk about NL baseball. We're going to skip the American League next year if that happens. Could be. But we got to see because, I mean, the American League, it's kind of wide open. It could be Tampa Bay. It could be. I, I think that they look primed and ready to go, even though if the Yankees can pull off a miracle and you never know. Weirder stuff's happened. Weirder stuff has happened, but that's why we like talking about baseball. And that's why we like talking to you about it, ODPH Society. So hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the playoff stretch for Major League Baseball as we're coming down to the wire? How is your team doing? Are they going to make a run? Or are they not? Unless you like the Astros, in which case, fuck you. Wow. Pat does not hold back his opinion about Houston, folks. So, like I say, uh, you can tweet him, but he probably will not answer you back. But I'll talk to you. And I'll probably say the same thing. We don't talk about the Astros on the show because, hey, reasons. And we leave it at that. But we will talk baseball and all other sports with you, so definitely use that hashtag ODPHpod. Swing on over to ODPH or OD Parlay Hour on Twitter, and definitely let's have that conversation about baseball. Because you know what? It's going to be playoffs soon. Is it October already? Let's find out, shall we? We'll say, as uh, Green Day once said, wake me up when September ends. Facts. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad. What you got? I kind of took a little college football astoundingly because there's a game I got circled on my calendar this coming weekend that is huge. No, it's not Michigan State taking on Miami. No, it's not Virginia Tech taking on West Virginia. No, it's not. I think Alabama's taking on Florida. Yeah, Alabama's taking on Florida. Fuck either of those teams. Who likes them anyway? Whoa, 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 whoa. It's not Georgia Tech taking on Clemson. No, it is 
Auburn Tigers traveling up to Pennsylvania to play Penn State in Happy Valley at Beaver Stadium. This game's taking place on Saturday, 7.30 on ABC. Why am I talking about this game, Ken? Uh, I know a lot of people are asking. Uh, it is white out game. Oh, down at Happy Valley. Down at Happy Valley, Beaver Stadium, uh, you know, which broke ground 1959, you know, was renovated and expanded a whole goddamn bunch load of times. Uh, it is the second largest uh, college football stadium in the country behind only the Bakehouse in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, its capacity is listed at 106,572 fans, according to their Wikipedia page. They somehow managed to cram in 110,889 people for the 2018 game against Ohio State, where they had a fantastic block field goal that they returned for a touchdown. Uh, but they got a whiteout game taking place this Saturday against Auburn, where currently Penn State is favored by six points. The over-under is 53. This game is going to be loud. If you've never seen a whiteout game, you absolutely goddamn should. Look up the video on YouTube, uh, Penn State Whiteout 2019. That audio in that video is not edited. It is mm-hmm. not bolstered. It is not boosted. It is not, nothing done to it. That is how the game did and, and sounded. It is absolutely nuts. It's definitely something to check out. So, like I said, taking place this Saturday, 730 on ABC, Penn State and Auburn in the whiteout game. And it is going to be loud. Yeah, it's definitely going to be loud. It'll definitely be a sight to be seen. And I'm willing to guess, first whiteout game, because they didn't have one last year because of COVID and, and all that, willing to think that uh, that that, that, record, that attendance record might might be broken. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're going to cram them in there to the rafters. They're going to definitely be making their presence felt. I mean, there's one thing about college football being back. You know the fans are definitely excited about it. Uh-huh. And obviously – your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, has a lot to say about it. Who's rooting for Alabama? Yep. Uh, well, that is the rumor, but we are rumored to be having a Parlay Points blog come from him somewhere in the near future. He was too, he was too upset to come by get, the show. He's going to give week. his top 10 Alabama quarterbacks. Oh, my God. Pad wants that smoke like nobody's business. Uh, for my base, I'm uh, going to do a little more wrestling talk. I mean, obviously, uh, last night, Monday Night Raw had a great ending with Big E finally winning the world title. About time. Fuck yeah, man. Good for him. Super, super excited about that. And it was also announced, too, that the draft date for the rosters of SmackDown and Raw has been set. Oh, about time. So the usual WWE draft is going to be taking place on October 1st on Friday Night SmackDown, and then night two of that will be taking place on October 4th for Monday Night Raw. Hmm. So what this means is they will be dividing up the rosters, kind of shuffling the deck about what superstars are appearing on what show. Anybody is fair game to be moved. Including commentators. Yes, so this will be something definitely to watch. Uh, I am very, very intrigued to see what they do with Monday Night Raw. Yeah, because I know they got to balance some things out. They do because SmackDown is so star heavy right now with Roman Reigns, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Becky Lynch. Well, see, well, Cena can go. Cena's an exception. He can go wherever he, 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 wants, go wherever he wants. But that's where he's been appearing most lately. That's why I kind of throw that in there. That was so heavy that I thought it was the smart move that Biggie went to Raw. Yeah, because he is a star. Yeah. And he does, definitely deserves the spotlight. And to give him that main event with him and Bobby Lashley is perfect. And run that back, too, because I'd love to see a feud get built up there. Absolutely. There's so much possibilities you can do there. And especially adding a superstar to Raw can definitely help that show. Because even though it is rising in the ratings, which is puzzling to a lot of people right now, uh, 
this is a win-win situation oh, for yeah. Raw. Yeah. And if you can definitely do something to help your brand out and shuffle the deck, go right ahead and do it. They just got to balance things out. Yeah, that's the only thing they need to do. I mean, they're not doing it as a panic move. This is something they do every year. Oh, so every couple of years. Yeah, every every so often. But yeah. usually, you know, we get very intrigued about seeing who gets moved where. And yeah. for wrestling fans, we'll have something to talk about on social media. So definitely. Because that's always lacking. Yeah, we'll definitely have something positive to say about there it. There we go. You know, exactly. We don't do that negative stuff. We don't think we don't promote that toxicity. You can take that somewhere else. We only talk about the positive stuff here on the whole six or seven podcast brand. So that being said, it is locks and leaps time. But but I have the fancy graphic done. Ooh, I have look the at you. list done. Look at you. Oh, I know. This is something I've been waiting to do because obviously the ODPH Locks and Leaps Invitational has been something of legend amongst mm-hmm. the inter- the uh independent podcast community. It is done by invite only. We had some friends join us this year, as you heard on the football special. And this is week one's results. Are you ready, Pat? All right. So sitting at the top of the leaderboard is the one and only Padawan J himself and, uh, with four points. Hey-o. Tied with Joey DiCarlo from So Wizard at four and JT from the East Coast Adventures at four. All right. And number th- uh, following them is me hey. at number three. Also with Mash from uh, Geek Ops. Uh, definitely shout out to them. Uh, Evan the Great from JBD and uh, the Crossover Collision uh, podcast. Uh, great, great show, too. If you're not listening to Crossover Collision, you got to get stepping on it. Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics, also in there in the three spot uh, with three points. Andy Adams making an appearance at three spot or three points, too. And Jay West from We Get Dubbed with three points as well. All right. And then with two points right now, and it's opening week two. So this isn't trash talk. This is just stats. Uh, JBD uh, from Crossover Collision and Rich from 3FN. Our coach Duffy has one point, and Mac East had the goose egg this week. Hey. Which, hey, like I say this all the time. We don't crown champions after one week. We crown them after 18 weeks. So we'll have to see how week two shapes up, but we give you one of our picks right here on the show each week. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, why don't you give us your lock and your leap? Uh, for my lock, I'm going to take my New England Patriots, who are traveling on the road to the Jets. Uh, the Patriots are favored by five and a half. Uh, I think they're going to correct mistakes. Damian Harris is going to have super glue attached to his gloves. Okay, not really. Uh, But I think they're definitely going to make some improvements. I like what I saw last week. I think there's definite room for improvement, and I think they're going to make those improvements. And, hey, let's face it, the Jets fucking suck. Mm -hmm. They they almost beat a Carolina Panthers team who, like I said in the first segment, marginally better than they are. But the Patriots, I think, are largely better than they are. So I think the Patriots will be able to pull off that win. Uh, And then on the flip side, uh, for my leap, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals, who are currently underdogs to the Chicago Bears by three points. Uh, Cincinnati's 1-0, Chicago's 0-1. Listen, I I think Burroughs and everything they got going on at Cincinnati is going to be able to click and make it run. Uh, And Chicago, you really ain't got nothing going. I'm sorry. I'm actually surprised the Bengals are dogs, to be honest with you in this. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really genuinely surprised. Yeah, so am I. Wow. That's not switching my pick, though. So for my lock, I am taking those Arizona Cardinals. Hey. Four and a half against Minnesota. There you go. If you stop Derrick Henry, you can stop Dalvin Cook. That's true. So Thank God he's not on my fantasy team. I know. That's what I was going to say. Like, and I know that Minnesota fought a very, very tough and game uh, Cincinnati Bengals this past weekend. It took them to overtime in that whole nine. But look, Arizona is the real deal. I'm sorry. I mean, they did a whooping on Tennessee. I think they're definitely going to cover here, too. I could definitely see it be a bye-bye, a touchdown. And then for my leap, I don't care what happened Monday night. Mm. 
I am taking those Baltimore Ravens Yo. plus three and a half Yo. against Kansas City. Where's this game? Oh, it's in Baltimore. Okay, so that's not as bad as playing an Arrowhead. No, it's definitely not. And it's marginally quieter. Here's the thing. The Ravens had a had a very devastating loss on Monday night. And granted, they the Raiders are the real deal. It, like I say, it's just consistency is the thing about them. Kansas City got taken to the limit by Cleveland. That's true. Cleveland's on the upswing, though. Cleveland is on the upswing. But we forget that Baltimore is always in that contention. And that defense is going to be laying some hits on Patrick Mahomes. Layeth the smackdown, as The Rock would say. Because if you're coming into Baltimore, especially on a bad loss, they're, they're going to be up for it. They're going to be ready to go. I maintain what I said in our, our Twitter group thing last night after the end of the Raiders-Ravens game. I don't want to hear shit about that defense for like a week after the, after that blown coverage at the end of the game last night. But see, that's where I think they're, they'll make the adjustments for Kansas City. Like This is like going to be a team rebound because Harbaugh is definitely going to want to get back on the winning ways, especially with Pittsburgh being in first place. That's true. I mean, well, technically Cincinnati is tied with them too. But Baltimore definitely wants to get out that W out of the way. And if they're going to be a playoff team, they need to contend with the playoff teams. You can say what you will about the Raiders, mm-hmm. but Kansas City did not look so dominant against the Browns. The Browns are still young. A couple bad plays here and there cost them. I think the Ravens, though, are going to surprise them. I could see Lamar Jackson keeping this on the ground a lot. Oh, he's going to have to. He's, he's going to be. This is going to be a make or break game for him. Yeah. In the sense of you want to be an elite quarterback, you want to be getting those Josh Allen contracts. This is the games you prove him in. Uh-huh. And then I think they're going to pull off the W. Um, Isn't I, he winless against Kansas City? Right. So Mahomes, he's either got one win or no wins. I think he's got. I think he's got one win. Okay. But either way, this is the game he's got to step up in. I'm sorry because if they go down zero and two, I'm not saying Baltimore's in trouble. It's going to be hard. But with that division, and we talked about how tough that AFC North is, they got to start putting those wins together, especially against the big teams. So if they're going to be contenders, they're going to have to win. I could see this being a 31-28 game. Mm-hmm. I'll even give you a point spread on that. And we'll definitely have to find out who our fellow competitors are going to be taking in the Lex and Leaps Challenge. If you want to find out about everything going on with that, swing on over to Facebook dot com slash Ocho Duro Parlay Hour and you can catch up on the standings right then and there. It's the pin tweet this week and it will be for the remainder of the week because that's what we do during football season. So we'll definitely have a lot more to talk about on next week's podcast. So definitely you don't want to miss any minute of the action. That being said, music heard on this edition of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf. Man, he has got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, he does. I we gotta get him to come on the show via Skype resume and kind of give us an update because every time i try getting everything written down it's usually changing and he's doing something else but pat if i want to find out everything going on with brian where do i go odphpodcast.com right on you swing on over to the music section check out everything going on with brian check out everything going on with shout at the robots second suitor floodlands yard party the list goes on and on and on and definitely don't forget about tom jolu because tom jolu is freaking fantastic you can also support them you can go check out and support the blogs on Parlay Points because we got new ones coming each and every day. This seems it feels like this week, and that is picked up. And I want to say personally, thank you for checking them out too. Blogs count anywhere. The comic reviews. We are rumored to be having a Coach Duffy corner coming, rumored. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. 
You can also go check out The Classifieds, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in. Because frankly, if your group isn't on Podchaser, are you really in a group? I don't think so. So we definitely want to shout out The Apocalypse. We want to shout out Innered Circle. We want to shout out 607 Podcasts and our good friends over at 8122productions.com. All of that, the T Public Store link, and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.